So I'm going to introduce our next speaker tonight. I decided that the best way to introduce him was to talk to other people about him and learn more things. Now, as I'm up here saying that, I'm not sure that was the best idea. Maybe I should have talked to him, but I didn't. So, okay, he found out I was doing this, and he's like, I want you to add a few lines. So I'm going to add them, and you can take them or leave them. It goes something like this. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And we're about to find out if it's true or not when he comes up here on stage. <laughs> but anyway, this is what other people said about him. I, I typically ask, describe Mark in one word. And some people couldn't do it, so it's a phrase. But we had a lot of repeats, which means either it must be true or nobody really knows the guy. <laughs> Huggable. When you see him, you want to hug him, and you want to be hugged by him. Highly disorganized. <laughs> Partly because he's such a reader, and his books are everywhere. I've never heard this said about somebody. Admirably quirky. <laughs> Candid. Blunt. Welcoming and hospitable. Refreshing. Authentic. Real and caring, humble, hilarious, funny, deceptively deep. I think that's a compliment. <laughs> Emotional, relational, aware and empathetic. Profound humor, teddy bear, lovable genius, and five people said jolly. <laughs> Rich in his relationship with the father, his identity is from the Father. I like this one. His laugh sounds like a thousand rivers. All right. I also learned that they have... <laughs> Mark and Tasty have two kids. How many grandkids? Six grandkids, and that they are loving being grandparents. And he's humble. Um, Mark and Tasty love people really well. They meet people where they are. You never feel like they expect something from you but they're full of grace, and they're okay with you where you are. And so I've noticed when a man is certain of his fallibility, but also certain that God loves him and is after him and after others, they create a safe space that people can come into and receive. And so, Mark, I pray that our hearts would be able to receive faster than a speeding bullet. You know, it's every boy's dream when you grow up that people look at you and say things like, shakes when he laughs like a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> but, uh, we, we grow into ourselves, and uh, the shape I'm in now, but every belt has two settings. It has my first one I'm setting, but it all starts to droop down. <laughs> So by the end of the day, I'm like ratcheting back up because uh, it dropped down into the default setting. And uh, it just makes it hard to buy a good belt. 
Uh, so, and you just hide the ratchet in there, and people don't people don't recognize that. Um, I would rather be here than uh, my favorite bar. I mean, this is this is a good group of people, and uh, it's it's so much fun to be together. And uh, but as you know, I. I, I did a deep, deep dive this year to try to find a good opening joke, and I, I did not succeed. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that are, you know, clever, and they're cute, or they're sight gags, um, but I just couldn't come up with a good opening joke. And usually, the way the joke goes determines how the rest of the evening goes. And in the in the the old days, we call that. Did they give you utterance? You know, did they give you? And uh, but I did have two that almost made it. All right. <laughs> and they're not that good. I, I just want to tell you that. Right? But, so a priest and a rabbit and a minister walk into the bar, and the bartender says to the rabbit, "What do you want to drink?" He said, "I don't know. I'm just here because of autocorrect." <laughs> See, so, I mean, it really wasn't that good. Um, but, I mean, it was good for honorable mention. Um, the other one was that uh, I did find out during World War I, the Army uh, was involved in a project where they were crossbreeding a homing pigeon and a woodpecker. They said it could deliver the message and knock on your door uh, at the same time. And... Uh, you see the woodpecker had the, I know the California people, you're not, you're not getting that. It's the woodpecker was like knocking on the door. Oh. Anyway, anyway, um, that one wasn't that good either, but you should have seen the ones that didn't even make that cut. Um, there are, there are, let's just start right here. There, there's two kinds of things in the world, shakeable and unshakable. Um, so I'm going to ask you, uh, fame and fortune, shakeable or unshakable? Shakeable. God's approval, unshakable. Um, I, I might meddle a little bit here. My opinion about things, shakeable, unshakable. Uh, God's eternal word. Unshakable. Now, see, Brian, and I'm going to paraphrase Brian, but now that I realize that Brian is simply paraphrasing Kathy, um, <laughs> Brian has encouraged us to entertain the possibility that my perspective might be incomplete. It's a nice way to say that, isn't it? Enter can you entertain the possibility that your perspective might be incomplete? You, you heard it second here. So, um, my five-year plan: shakeable or unshakeable? Shakeable. God's eternal wisdom, unshakeable. My best efforts, shakeable. <laughs> have you ever found yourself? Have you ever overestimated your own sufficiency? <laughs> you know. <laughs> The sustaining grace of God, shakeable, unshakable, unshakable. Um, my self-sufficiency, etc. All right. 
when, when, when we came up with the, the theme, I started pondering the word enduring, and as we all did, and everlasting, um, eternal, unfailing, unshakable, for the order of Melchizedek, by the power of an indestructible life. I just like that. The power of an indestructible life. Um, so I want to say three things. The first one is power fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The second one is, he has transferred us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And the third is, we have been transplanted into the house of the Lord where we flourish. Now, the thing I just I love is I meditated on the, um, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And I found myself, uh, whenever I see the word of the Lord, the, uh, the law, commandments, etc., I found myself replacing that with what God wants. So the grass withers, the flower fades, but what God wants endures forever. Um, the psalmist says, uh, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I have hidden what God wants in my heart that I might not sin against you. Are you, you tracking with me okay? Is that okay? Okay. Um, Paul said, I delight after the law of God in my inner man, uh, in uh, uh, Romans 7. I delight after what God wants. There's, when we can move towards then I believe we're moving from a shakable foundation to an unshakable foundation, okay? Um, so, <laughs> what God wants. Um, there's a, a great psalm in Psalm 135, and I think this is out of the New Living, and uh, if that offends anybody, God bless you. Um, um, I, I know people that said, if you didn't quote the King James when you were claiming your promises, God wouldn't heal you. <laughs> I said, well, verily, verily. <laughs> verily, verily, I say unto thee. <laughs> Rise up and walk. F. So, um. But Psalm 135 and I, I just, I love this. He says, I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all the gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth. Say that with me. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. It's amazing. There is so much noise going on out there that it's easy to forget that the will of God is at work in the earth. It's so easy. There's, 
There's so much noise. Um, it's some, it's, sometimes it's not easy to reckon with that. We, we get distracted because our world is, is full of noise and nonsense. Gossip passes for news. Small minds with big agendas clamor for our allegiance. Busyness has replaced purpose. And we would all do well to differentiate causation from correlation. And that we could spend a little time in. Um, <laughs> you get to a place in life when you realize there are more horses' asses in the world than there are horses. <laughs> and once you realize that, you know that life is going to be messy. And there's going to be people trying to take you a different direction. Um, but there's a lot of southbound ends of a northbound horse. And uh, here's what, here's what uh, they said in Psalm 11. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? But, verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The foundations of law and order have collapsed, but what can the righteous do? Aha, the Lord is in his holy temple. Uh, the Lord still rules from heaven. It doesn't matter what's going on, the Lord still rules from heaven. Um, I, I like that. What can the righteous do? But, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Which reminds me of my son's favorite Jewish joke. It's not about Jewish people. It's a Jewish joke. The guy's sitting in the restaurant, and he says, Waiter, I said, um, I need you to check my soup. And the waiter says, This soup is award-winning. It is amazing soup. He said, I need you to taste my soup. And he said, our chef is a five-star chef. We have never had any complaints about this soup. And he says, I, I hear all that, but I need you to taste my soup. And he says, where's your soup spoon? He says, aha. <laughs> Aha. <laughs> so, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. Aha. <laughs> but the Lord is in his holy temple. Uh, and 25, verse 1, he said, You have worked wonders, plans formed long ago in perfect faithfulness. Working his plans. He's not working his reactions to our plans. He's working his plans, his purposes. And that's what we need to be looking for. Because the power of God's will in the earth, Jesus said, get in line with that whenever you pray. Say, Father, your kingdom come. What you want done, let it be done. And Jesus modeled that. Father, in the, in the garden, he says, I uh, would like to see this right now. 
Nevertheless, not what I will, what you will. So the, the, uh, in Ephesians 1, he says God works all things after the counsel of his will. And he called this his eternal purposes. This is the constant, unchanging nature of the reign of God, the kingdom of God, the love of God in our lives, God working out his eternal purposes. Now, I believe that in our lives, God is moving us from shakable to unshakable. And the first time that I, that I kind of ran across this um, was in, in the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I was reading that one day, and, and he says, um, uh, sorry, I just saw him. So let me, let me go back. One of my, in James 1, he said, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. And, and he said, as many as received them, he gave them the power to become the children of God who are born not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. So we are birthed uh, by God. Uh, we were wanted. And that is the basis for identity that our culture is looking for. I preached the microphone right off the side of my head. Okay. Yeah. I could just put it in my pocket. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. James 1, verse 18. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth. We were wanted, we were planned, we were nurtured, we were carefully knit together. And in the world today, there are so many inadequate basises that people are, are clinging to for who I am, for identity. You know, gender is a horrible basis for identity. Uh, uh, sexuality is a horrible basis uh, for identity. A status is... Uh, uh, political party. These are these are all horrible and incomplete and inadequate things when it comes to um, a foundation for identity. We have what they're all looking for. We have the Father who birthed us into His kingdom, into His family, and uh, that's one of the things that we have to offer. Um, all right, so back to Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, floods came, the winds blew, slammed against that house, and it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. I remember when these words became real to me that my life could become stable could be built on an unshakable foundation by taking seriously Jesus' words, especially the ones that he had just brought out uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. 
So his desire, even in, his, in that sermon, was that our lives would be, um, again, would, would be unshakable. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of synonyms, uh, but, but, I, but that's the piece. All right, so what I think is to transfer us from the shakable to the unshakable, migrating us to a new platform. Um, and one of the illustrations of a scripture, this was one of Michael Cook's favorite scriptures in Deuteronomy 8. He said, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do good to you in the end. I think we underestimate how important humility is to the Lord. Um, grace comes to the humble. Um, we, I heard a guy the other day, and he said, um, if you're humble, you'll never stumble. And, uh, you know, you ponder that a little bit, and it's like, yeah. How many things have I gotten into because I wasn't walking in humility? But the Father will go out of his way to put us in situations that will enable us to be able to humble ourselves so that he can pour grace out on us. Um, and it says he did this to do good to us in the end, obviously. So the illustration that I've been using that, that works in my own head, but we all know how convoluted that is, so maybe that'll work for you, maybe it won't. But it's um, trucks, and one's full and one's empty, and they're backed up to each other. And the manifest for everything in truck number one is signed over to truck number two, okay? So God now owns everything. But what he has to do now is start moving stuff from one part of our life from the to the shakeable uh, to the unshakable. He's, he's, he's unloading, and he does this over our lifetime. He's unloading from one uh, foundation, and he's transferring us over into the kingdom. Now, Tacey and I uh, have found that the situation, you know, normally works something like this. God exposes something in one of us. Um, maybe it's impatience. Uh, I used to think I was really patient, then I found out I was just too lazy to get mad. And uh, you, don't, you don't get as, as many points for being too lazy to get mad. It, it's like the guy said, oh, my nephew was so lazy he married a pregnant woman to have kids. And uh, anyway, that was. But so something comes up and one of us recognizes that we're you know, like I'm, I'm impatient. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that I am insufficient on my own. And so the Father will expose that usually in, in relationship. Um, because remember, the fruit in the kingdom, it's moving from the fruit of accomplishment to the fruit of character. And that's the move, the direction that God is, is, you know, is taking us. So he will expose something. 
It's, and use each other to expose something. And then we have, um, you know, we have the choice then at that point. We get to decide how we're going to do it. Now, as you all know, two people can go through identical circumstances, identical pressures. One of them come out soft and tender, and the other one come out hard and, and unrelenting. So there's nothing that's in the circumstance. The oomph is in the response. It's, it's how we deal with that. Uh, and it's how we view what God wants when it cr- is at cross purposes with my flesh or with, you know, with whatever. Um, so uh, it could be like when I remember setting my heart to, um, I, I wanted to learn to walk in agape love, you know, when, 14, 15 years ago, whenever that was kind of hot. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, um, so because you know, I mean, if you can't if you can't follow trends, you know, trendy teachings. Um, but I I really was serious. I believed that that was God's absolute, and that everything grows out of that, and everything works through that. And um, so I want to walk in agape love. And then I sat around and waited for that feeling of love to overtake me, lift me up, and have me do things that I, that I, I wouldn't have thought of doing. And guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I was talking new, but I was still acting old. And uh, so then we find out that if I will say to the Lord, Father, I need you, to help me to love my wife and my kids and my church and my neighbor and my coworkers. I need you to enable me, to anoint me for that. And then we move from love as a feeling to love as active goodness. And I, we end up getting moved from the shakeable to the unshakable. Same way with joy, you know, uh, I love, uh, you know, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Um, But what I really had was I got the happiness, 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 because it was all based on circumstances. You know, have a good day, I'm happy, bad day, unhappy. And so God will expose that. He will lead us somewhere. He will expose that so that we can press into him under his care, under his his, uh, direction, uh, Understanding that there is tension, no matter what circumstance is going on, and that's how we can we can um, uh, deal with uh, suffering. You know, when it comes into our lives, um, the same thing. You know, there's there's always God's always moving us. Um, I was trying to think of another example. Um, Love, forgiveness. Oh, here we go. Um, when I was young, I spent a good part of my life trying not to be bad. You know? I mean, I knew I couldn't be good, but I was trying hard not to be bad. So, you know, there's just things I wouldn't do, you know? I mean, I had, I had scruples. Um, I would 
I would steal candy bars from the grocery store, uh, but I wouldn't break any windows. You know, I mean, I had, I, you know, I, I had ethics. Uh, and, uh, and there was a place that I just wouldn't go. Um, but sudden, for some reason, God's not particularly excited about me holding back from breaking windows when in my heart of hearts, if I thought I could get away with it, I would. Um, so he gave us a righteousness of his own. Um, what we nourish will flourish. So I, I think everything we've been hearing about the unshakable, unchanging things of God are just are priceless and are things that I think as we give ourselves to them, um, we will find our lives moving onto uh, a solid foundation. So the last thing is, and this is Psalm 92, uh, verses 12 to 14, the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Now, I had to use a newer translation because the old translation says they'll be full of sap. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, I was trying to avoid saying that. So uh, even in old age, they will still produce fruit. Um, we, we, this whole conversation about fruit, but when we talk about flourishing, flourishing in the house of the Lord has to include assisting others to flourish around us, facilitating growth, creating opportunities for the gifts of others, being that constant, faithful, loyal presence for them, rejoicing in their success without competition with ours. Um, it is, it is part of Jesus said, I've come to you might have life and have it more abundantly. There is a flourishing, there is a joy, there is a, uh, an excitement in life, uh, as he moves us into that, um, solid foundation. I think it's the enduring things until the end shall be saved. Amen. Thank you.